The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It is a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. We call it Hi-Fi Radio. It's on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Portfolio Manager and Partner Extraordinaire, Jack Hartle. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Wolf. Pleasure to be here. Hey, how you doing, Jack? Uh, getting through the week. It's nice to be a Saturday morning, and it seems like, uh, as we know, Groundhog Day continues, but uh, the markets continue to, uh, for the most part, in the month of uh, April rise, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's been a pretty good month. Uh, April showers bring May flowers. Reminds me of a quarter heard this morning. If you want a rainbow... You got to deal with the rain. Uh, <laughs> without further ado, let's bring on Jed Dorsheimer, a managing director, uh, analyst uh, with Canaccord Genuity, um, just uh, living just outside of Boston. Uh, he is on top of a uh, very, very cool company, and that is called Tesla. Uh, Jed is an uh, incredible, incredible uh, dossier. Um, I don't know where to begin, where to end with it, uh, from, from downhill skiing to, uh, I don't know, are you a nuclear physicist as well, Jed? you, you got a very colorful, colorful uh, career uh, so far, and it continues to be as, uh, as colorful today. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, thanks for the kind words. And not a nuclear physicist, but do have a background in electrical engineering. Right, and you spent time in the military as well, I believe? No military, but I did spend time running a uh, division for a Fortune 500, which could be similar to uh, to, to doing your time, uh, if you will. Did you so I have industry. To the White did you not also advise to uh, Barack Obama? I was an advisor to uh, uh, in the uh, Obama administration to uh, Ernest Moniz, uh, who was the uh, uh, energy secretary. You, that's right. So you focus on the energy space, correct? For, for an, yeah. a, a, America's energy. And all of that was in relation to and what I saw before everybody else and it's, you know, helped Canaccord uh, with this is the move to LEDs. Um, so the move from an analog uh, light source to a digital light source being LEDs in the handset that created the smartphone that then led to the flat TVs that we all enjoy that uh, changed how we light our rooms and offices. Yeah, no, it's certainly a lot of transformation taking place. Uh, I have to get some LED bulbs in my home. I'm still running uh, low voltage, and they still hum and create a hell of a lot of heat. Uh, all in due course, my good friend. Uh, let's talk Tesla to begin with. Um, you know, the, the world is shut down. Uh, the, the, the air is cleaner because we are driving less vehicles. Uh, oil is in the absolute uh, pit, shall I say. Uh, probably a bottom is in, I have to think, for crude. Uh, but remarkable, remarkable. Oil trading negative territory. Uh, the whole purpose of electric vehicle was uh, free, um, free power. Uh, good golly, uh, up here in Canada, 66 cents a liter is a bargain. Uh, I know. Well, what's, what's a gallon of gas selling for in, in, in America right now? Jed? About $2 a gallon. At least $2 a gallon. That's you know, you have, have a lot liters. of taxes and stuff that are embedded in the uh, in uh, uh, highway taxes, et cetera. 
yeah, no, no, no question about that. But it's remarkable how cheap uh, fuel has become, and we're not driving vehicles, which, which, which therefore astounds me that uh, people continue to invest and push the Tesla stock higher. So, uh, how does Elon defy gravity? Yeah, I mean, it, so some of it is uh, uh, defiance, if you will. Um, we think that, like what uh, Tony Dwyer uh, has outlined for his macro strategy, we think. You know, one of the challenges with respect to Tesla is there's a bit of an air pocket. Um, and we just, uh, you know, don't think that people see that yet, um, which is what the demand scenario is going to look like, as well as the cost to keep Fremont um, uh, shuttered, uh, their main manufacturing facility. So, uh, you know, I like Tesla long term. We've been a big, we've been, I think, called the bull of Wall Street on Tesla. Um, we did downgrade it uh, in early February to a hold uh, based on uh, Corona, it was called at that time, but on the COVID and what we saw in China and the potential for that to spread, um, which it did. Uh, what we didn't see is that the market, you know, the stimulus uh, would force a market up and look through the lows that we've seen and kind of get to the, you know, back to these record levels. Um, but I, I just don't think that's sustainable. Hey, but Jed, let's go back to uh, manufacturing again. I do a daily radio report up here in Toronto, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm able to stay on top of the news by force, which is great. Um, and I, I, I caught a headline that uh, Elon has ordered um, staff back to work, if I uh, recall correctly. Uh, is that the case? And uh, how how are they dealing then with uh, COVID, social distancing, and the likes? No, Elon's frustrated and in, in a uh, fight with the government right now, um, and so uh, the factory's still shut down. Uh, and so he, they are shut down. Mm. Yeah. And when, what about the yeah. batteries? They do themselves? have. They, they do have Shanghai. So Shanghai um, will have an annual production capacity at the end of this year of two hundred thousand, uh, and they will be at that level. Um, uh, by the end of June, I think, uh, or the beginning of June. And so just to do the math, that's about uh, 3,500, 3,700 cars per week. And that compares to, you know, about uh, 10,000 uh, Model 3s per week uh, out of Fremont. So Fremont's uh, several orders of magnitude greater than, that, than Shanghai. So it is a meaningful uh, metric and a meaningful risk to the business in terms of you know, when that gets going again. Uh, you are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, good morning to you. If you just joined us, we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line. He's an analyst with Canaccord. Uh, Genuity, managing director, uh, resides just outside of Boston. Uh, that's where all the smart people live uh, in America. They live in Boston. Uh, they really do. Uh, great city. Uh, we have a national growth conference once a year. Uh, I do hope it takes place this fall. I am doubtful of that. Uh, nonetheless, I have the privilege of speaking with very smart people, including Jed Dorsheimer. We're talking Tesla. We're talking, we're talking LED. We're talking new technology. And, of course, we can't avoid the topic of COVID. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. My good friends, please get a cup of coffee. Get ready. The show is going to unwind right here, right now. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio. Radio, 640 Toronto. 
back to the show. This is Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning to you. It's Groundhog Day to me. Jack, of course, alluded to that fact. Uh, I guess we're what into getting to, towards day 60 of the shut-in. It certainly feels like that. Um, I've, I've lost track of days. I've lost track of time. Um, but I, I, can, I continue to be so amazed at some standout individuals and businesses and um, thematics that just don't seem to go down. Uh, we can speak about Amazon and, and, and the success it is demonstrating in this environment. Uh, you can look at the Facebook results, quite impressive. The Google results, quite impressive. So as much as the global economy is shut in, certainly there is a lot of economic activity taking place. But uh, we have to, again, think about those small individuals, those little businesses out there who are being so greatly affected by uh, this global pandemic. Um, and I, I, I continue to uh, think deeply about uh, how they are going to get back into business. Uh, but we are buying stuff digitally. Uh, you're seeing the, uh, the transport stocks get a bit of a bid. You're seeing logistics companies do quite well. And the, the stock that stands out to me is Tesla. Uh, it's just been screaming higher uh, amidst all of this uncertainty. Uh, Jed, I have to ask you, um, again, because Tesla is not really a dealer network type business, and uh, it's such a new company. And what really amazed me is two year, no, last year I was privileged to go to uh, Vienna, and I even saw a Tesla dealership in Vienna. So that such a company can go global so quickly um, and, and have such impact and create such change is absolutely remarkable. I really have continuously tipped my hat to Elon Musk. Um, I saw a bad headline on him that he got the COVID call wrong, uh, thought it was going to uh, peter out quite quickly. But, hey, he, he too is human, and uh, uh, we all make error. Um, but uh, I want to ask you, in terms of placing orders, buying vehicles, Current demand, current sales, I have a sense the big three automakers are absolutely struggling to sell cars. Uh, is Tesla continuing to sell vehicles? Are they, are they seeing new orders come through? Yeah, so they are continuing to sell, um, but uh, albeit at a, at a much lower pace. So they have a decent amount of inventory. That's what they're trying to use uh, is a, um, a source of cash to work that down through the quarter. They uh, The call was last night, and they didn't uh, – uh, they didn't highlight um, what their current uh, cash position is. So, so that's one of the big issues with Tesla right now as a stock that the market's obviously looking through is what the burn is going to be to carry Fremont while it's uh, shuttered. But to answer your question, they are still selling. You can go on the website, you can order, and the car will be dropped off at your, uh, uh, at your house. Can, uh, again, I, just because interest rates are so cheap and money is so cheap, I'm getting some mixed messages, Jed. I spoke with a friend of mine yesterday uh, who is mortgage-free but is involved in the entertainment industry. Uh, he puts on trade shows. And, of course, with social distancing and shutting down, he could not get himself a credit line from his Canadian bank uh, of $200,000. They wouldn't pr process the loan request. He, he has a small income, call it $50,000, but he has a, a, a house that's worth one point six. He couldn't borrow money. Uh, what, can Tesla borrow, say, you know, through their cash burn and uh, continue, uh, perhaps losing some more money for a few quarters? Uh, if they get tight on cash, uh, how readily can they raise funds and at what price? So they just did. Remember, they, they did a large raise. They have $8 billion of cash on the balance sheet. So they're not at risk at all of, um, 
uh, of, uh, you know, running out of cash. They've got plenty. Uh, the issue is, you know, what does that mean in terms of the financials and does that take some of the – so if you're in it for a much longer period of time, you know, this is uh, uh, – this may be um, uh, moot or irrelevant. Um, but, uh, you know, the reason that I raised that is is the market does, seems to be ignoring uh, a lot of these issues and uh, our position is – keep some powder dry, we think there's going to be a more attractive entry point to become uh, much more constructive and in, in, uh, in pound the table again on this one. Hey, Jack, I want to get over to you. Now, again, into the time, we've got a minute and a half here, so I want you to uh, line up three questions. Um, hit Jed with your best one right now, uh, and then when we come out of the commercial break, you can throw a couple more at Jed Dorsheimer. Over to you, Jack. Sure. Thanks, Wolf. Um, part of the bull thesis, I guess, for Tesla is, uh, you know, Tesla versus the traditional automakers. Um, do you see them gaining traction just because the, uh, the traditional automakers right now are sort of distracted and they won't be able to do the, the R&D to catch up with Tesla? Yes. I think Tesla continues to maintain a solid lead over the traditional guys. And I think bending metal is much different than programming code. And I think that's where Tesla has a significant advantage over, for example, VW or GM. And of the traditional um, auto manufacturers, which ones do you think will actually come out of this uh, with a uh, competitive product in the electric vehicle space? You mentioned GM, Volkswagen. Uh, who, who are the ones that you see as the leaders in that space? Yeah, so I think Volkswagen has an edge as a function of cheating on the diesel gate and being forced to make a large investment, which kind of pushed them early towards battery electric for regulatory purposes. And that may prove to be the, the best fine that any company has, uh, has received. Aside from that, I think companies that are able to look in the mirror and assess their true strengths and weaknesses and recognize that most of the companies have channel and capital, but they're never going to have the technology. The ones that try and go down the technology rabbit hole, I think, are destined to be disrupted. Um, and the ones that are able to lever their channel. For example, Ford has an investment in Rivian to wrap uh, their skin around the uh, Rivian skateboard. I see that as a potential strategy for uh, traditional. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 Inter. I am Wolfgang Klein, host of the show, Jack Hartle, partner in your success Privileged to have uh, a man from Boston uh, on the line, Jed Dorsheimer. We're talking about Tesla. We're talking about LED. We're talking about disruptive technology. We're talking about surviving COVID-19. Welcome to Groundhog Day. Please stay tuned. More show right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thank you for tuning in to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. It's a show that Jack and I put together once a week for you. We're here to educate. We're here to help. We're here to hold your hand. If you have any questions, you can always contact us, WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, no question is too big. No question is too small uh, for Jack and I. We're here for all. Uh, Jed Dorsheimer, my good friend, uh, just outside of Boston, uh, where all the smart people hang out. Uh, Boots on the ground question to you before I get it over to Jack. Um, as America is opening up its economy, uh, speak to that. How quickly 
uh, are you looking forward to getting back into the office uh, in the downtown core? And how are you working through the current uh, situation, Jed? I'm not. So, uh, you know, I don't. Uh, we're very fortunate. I have to remind myself on a daily basis what I need to be grateful for. And one of those is to have a job at Canaccord that allows me to to uh, remotely work. And so I feel no need or urgency to uh, to rush back. And I think that's one of the problems with a lot of uh, uh, with a lot of these states is you have to look at a risk reward um, situation, and you don't want to be in a situation where you're taking all the risk with the potential for no reward. And so, where that balance and trade-off makes sense, um, if it was a job that I had to go to to put food on the table, then I would. Um, but I'm not in that situation, so I don't have to. And Chad, as, as our sustainability analyst um, investing in, in green technology here at Canaccord, um, I was actually just watching the, the new documentary with uh, with Michael Moore, uh, Planet of the Humans. I was wondering, have you seen that uh, that documentary? I haven't, but I've been told that I need to watch it. So uh, it's on the lineup, and I have no excuse because I, I have plenty of time now. Yeah, I got about halfway through with my wife. We watched the rest of it today, I, I believe. But uh, the question that I have for you is, uh, the, I guess the question that it brings up is sustainable energy and the CO2 footprint uh, that is caused by manufacturing a lot of the sustainable equipment and all the, the mining that goes into it. I was wondering, can you maybe speak to that about some of the uh, the rare earths and elements and all the uh, the mining that's required actually to uh, create batteries and uh, talk about turbines and all the, the the good stuff that creates clean energy, but also the car or excuse me, the carbon footprint that is uh, that created uh, along the way. Yeah, so, I mean, you're getting into what would be, a, you know, a life cycle analysis or cradle to gate in terms of, um, and we've uh, done this actually and written several lengthy white papers around um, this. Uh, you know, how you extract lithium, for example, is, is, uh, is not a one-size-fits-all. There's multiple different ways. Um, some are much more energy intensive in terms of the production than others. For example, you can take rocks that have high content and smash them up and, uh, and then process that, or you could evaporate using uh, a brine technique. Um, and right now, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett um, in the Salton Sea in, uh, um, in uh, California uh, are looking at different direct lithium uh, extraction techniques, or DLEs. So they've set up companies in terms of how to use um, uh, our natural resources to uh, uh, more efficiently extract. And so uh, I think as we, as we see demand grow, the market for lithium batteries, um, as well as some of these rare earths, the, uh, I, I don't focus on those as much, but they're uh, equally as important, um, I, I think technology is going to be our path forward, and, and I don't worry all that much about the uh, efficiency argument. And when we look at um, the processes of bringing oil out of the ground, they're horribly inefficient. And so, uh, um, so I think the comparison uh, isn't all that. They're just very cheap. Yeah, that, that was the, the point that I saw or that I made to my wife last night was that it seems like a one-sided argument that he makes. Uh, they do make a, a strong case. But the, the fact is that uh, you do need technology uh, in the green space to evolve over time, and that's what you know typically does happen. It doesn't uh, evolve immediately, but it uh, takes time, and you sort of have a, a bridge or a gap in between that uh, you have to uh, get over. But uh, the, the second here, question that I have... here's one important point, if I can interrupt for one second. 
Our, our yeah. argument for battery electric vehicles is not based around reduction of carbon emissions. It's that it's an economic argument. When you go from an internal combustible engine to an um, electric motor, you increase by 4x the efficiency by unit of energy going in versus output. And so unless your extraction techniques are more than four times less efficient than that of uh, uh, oil turning into gasoline, um, then you at scale will be at a lower cost basis for that battery electric vehicle. And, uh, and the analysis that we've done is that EVs will be able to deliver greater value in addition to all the other economic, uh, environmental benefits that, that come along. But from a pure economic perspective, you will be able to get to a lower cost basis. Yeah, I would expect yeah, I that. Another thing that I would expect Sorry, well, as we get through this crisis is the fact that governments are going to have to do some fiscal spending, and I think that uh, I would expect them to target your space. They did in 2008, 2009, and I would expect them to look at sustainability and green technology as a way to you know, create jobs and be more efficient with our energy. Yeah, I mean, sadly, you know, a lot of these decisions are highly uh, political of nature, and so you have to look at, um, uh, you know, different administrations and try and wait on that, uh, you know, probability wait. But I would, I would generally agree with you that that, is, uh, uh, that will be in our future. You know, Jed, I have to throw, throw back to you. The world is going Zoom. Um, could I cruise perhaps your city in a Tesla? And the streets are probably a little bit much bare today. I remember I tried test driving a Tesla at our global growth conference uh, in your beautiful city, and the traffic was so gridlocked. It was like a waste of time. I, I barely got around the block bumper to bumper. I had no experience in that Tesla. But I, I kept looking at that little uh, flat screen monitor as opposed to my dashboard, uh, which is what I'm used to looking at. Uh, perhaps we could do a Zoom conference vis-a-vis uh, -vis Tesla and just buzz around various cities. I guess that would work in this day and age, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would. And uh, by the way, with respect to the growth conference, we have made the decision and we pivoted to a uh, uh, that is virtual. So we are still having that as well as the future transport event on uh, August 11th. And we've got a lot of big names that will be presenting there, including Tesla. So we're going to be doing that conference virtually. Unbelievable. Jed Dorsheimer, uh, sustainability analyst with Canaccord Genuity, uh, a man from Boston. I have to say that because that's where the smart people live. Certainly, uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, the uh, brainiacs down there. I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, please stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show with Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning to you, my good friends. Welcome to Groundhog Day. Well, the world continues to spin on its axes. Uh, we're doing some things the same, some things different, uh, but uh, the routine certainly has changed. Um, all for the good, and uh, this too shall pass. Great quote I had uh, given to me this morning was, if you want a rainbow, you have to deal with some rain every now and then. So the rain shall pass, uh, and well, hey, it's the month of May, uh, so uh, optimism reigns. Uh, Jack, of course, Hartle right in the house, 
sort of his house 60 miles away from me as we social distance but continue to broadcast. Some businesses continue and others uh, get shut in, and those are the ones I'm most concerned with. Um, top of mind, of course, when you think about assets, when I think about um, building wealth, of course, cornerstone is real estate, uh, without question. Um, and I wish most of us have the ability to purchase real estate and own real estate at some point during our lives. It is the dream, after all, that we have good shelter. And with uh, COVID-19, I'm seeing more tents pop up downtown, and it brings a tear to my eye, my good friends. It really, really does. Uh, there should be no homelessness, and we all need a place to live. And, uh, of course, prices uh, have been running away on most of us in urban centers. Uh, I am very curious, as prices have corrected in all asset classes, uh, I'm curious about the condo market. Uh, my good friend Chris Burkowski, uh, condo Chris, better known as an expert in the condominium space with Right at Home Realty, known as the Purple, the purple Guys. Uh, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on Hi-Fi Radio, my good friend. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Wolf. Hi, Jack. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Good, good. Very well. Holding in very well, surprisingly. So, uh, Chris, uh, please uh, fill us in on the condo market. Uh, prices, um, activity, um, uh, virtual um, showings. Uh, what do we need to know? Well, I mean, um, being a condo guy, I'll be honest, I'm worried. I'm worried. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my personal thoughts, which may be in line with everyone else. I, I don't like predictions too much. But what I can tell you is, uh, you know, I'm a guy that does a lot of leasing. And um, I believe the Toronto condo market has been built, you know, I, I, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but somewhere between 60 and 70% right now are investor owned. And, you know, for a long time, we've watched this condo market just go up and up and up and the charts unreal and everyone's calling for a correction and we've never seen it. And uh, I personally believe that the bubble characteristic is happening in the rental market. You know, I think the average Canadian's looking at something like a 170% debt to income ratio, probably worse in Toronto. Again, I don't really like averages. To me, that means that people that are, that are in bad shape are in worse shape than that, that would predict. And, you know, this investor-driven condo market has relied on the tenant in the city of Toronto. And these are the guys that are working at the bars, working at the restaurants, the personal trainers, that sort of thing. And uh, these people have been pushed up to 70, 80% of their income covering these high rents, which in turn has funded this investor-driven condo boom. And I think that's where the well has dried up. I think the tenants have been pushed to their limit, you know, and if, if most of them, if it's true that 50% of Canadians were $200 away from insolvency, I mean, I know personally, a lot of these condo tenants are they were living for their next paycheck. They've already spent their next paycheck, so missing it's they don't have two weeks uh, of income saved up. They if they miss one shift, they're in trouble. And I think we're going to see a major, major downward push on the rental market uh, from a condominium perspective. Yeah, and, and likewise, radio. Yeah, sorry, you listen to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Hartle. In for your success, of course, it's a show about money. Cornerstone is real estate. Chris Burkowski is on the line, known as Condo Chris. Chris has been on the show many times. Chris is worried about the condo market because the condo market, he believes, has been largely built up on the rental market, and tenants 
are living hand-to-mouth and are going to have trouble paying the rent. Uh, Chris, tell me something. Have you gotten phone calls from clients of yours saying, uh, I got a problem, um, my tenant is not paying the rent, I'm going to try to evict my tenant, um, any advice on how we can go through the process of eviction and replacing it with a new tenant? Or are they allowed to even do that? And I believe the latter, they can't even evict tenants in this environment. So no, so I'm a property manager. I do have, um, I do manage a lot of properties. I have a lot of tenants. Uh, and I was worried about major default. Now we've been given some notice. The landlord and tenant board is currently closed. So you can't take a case. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But back up, Chris. The landlord tenant board is closed. Yes. They're not even seeing cases. Uh, but, but is that not a government run office? It is, I believe. The government just said yesterday that the, the, the Doug Ford uh, was asked, um, why does the public service continue to run at full employment when so many other parts of the economy have been shut down? And, and, and our premier said, because the government continues to work, its offices are open. How can the, the, the tenant board be shut down? Now, my understanding, now I'm not 100% sure this, they may have started to open it up on a limited basis, but uh, I haven't seen an update, but they, you know, as of last last week, it was 100% closed. Now, they gave, uh, now they did issue a series of guidelines, and their guidelines have recommended that landlords make their best efforts to work with tenants. Now, they didn't say how to do that. Um, so essentially, you know, I'll tell you what I've offered tenants. For example, we've offered a deferral. Now, you know, a deferral is, you know, how much can you, I've asked my tenants, how much can you afford to pay right now? You know, and then we're going to take that, that additional amount and defer it over, you know, the next year or six months is what we started with right now. So essentially what we've done as a landlord is offer people an interest-free loan. You know, that's, that's really what it is. It's an interest-free loan and we're going to cover the difference until next year. Now, but now, can your client, uh, who, who of course has a mortgage on that uh, unit, uh, can they make their mortgage payments, or are they going to default? Well, so in in my case, we don't carry a lot of mortgage debt on these units. We're we're pretty well entrenched, which is is lucky. But you know, for example, this this condominium market, uh, I, I do mostly multi residential things like that. I don't have a lot of condominiums that I manage, but the condominium market, there's a lot of these sort of they call them mom and pop investors. I, I don't like. I don't like the term mom and pop. To me, that just means unsophisticated investor. But a lot of them are negative cash flow, right? They've, they've bought this unit. They're renting it out at a really high rate. They're, they're maybe they need an extra 100 or 200 bucks a month to cover it, but they're, they're thinking the appreciation is going to cover them. So they drive an yeah. Uber or they take money out of their day job and they cover it. If they miss, you know, if 60 days of default for them is going to drive them you know, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll right. be bankrupt. Uh, Chris, we're running out of time on this hit. Stay tuned, my good friend. You listen to Hi-Fi Radio. We're talking about the condominium market. Chris Burkowski on the line. He is a condo specialist. Uh, Chris is worried uh, that tenants can't pay the rent and landlords perhaps are going to be squeezed into a not-so-good situation. You stay tuned. More show right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be sunny. Back after this, you're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome back. Hi Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network 640 in Toronto. The ratings. 
are up, apparently. More of you tuning into the show. I thank you for your time. Uh, I'm privileged uh, to be with you each and every Saturday morning. Jack, of course, gets a real kick out of hanging here on the radio, 60 miles away. We're talking about the condo market. Condo Chris is on the line. Chris Burkowski, he's with the Purple Guys, uh, right at home realty. Um, Chris, have you gotten phone calls from potential sellers of units who, uh, as you indicated, perhaps are the mom-pa investor um, who are running negative um, cash flow rental units who, who are just at the brink and they can't make a mortgage payment need to unload a unit or two, i.e. I'm looking for, have you seen any panic selling? Because we certainly saw a lot of it in the stock market based on what's called margin calls. People who were using borrowed money to buy stock and they have a small margin of error and when it goes against them, they're forced out of their trade. If you're running negative cash flow rental units, it's the same thing. You, you are at the margin, too tight, and at some point, you're going to go, over the, go over, the, over the ledge. And I've been waiting for this for oh so long. I've been speaking to Jack about this almost since I've known him, that at some point, employment will affect the stretched and there, there is not enough buffer within that uh, to allow them a lot of time to maneuver. So are you getting the calls here that people can't make their mortgage payments uh, who have too many units on their hand? Yes. So I have. Now, not for me, it was uh, end users worried about employment, to be honest. Um, people that were living in condos are like, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep making my mortgage payment, and I don't want to be caught in the middle of this big sell-off. Um, as a matter of fact, I did have a person that called me right about the first few days of quarantine, um, I list, I told, you know, I told them essentially prices in their building were around a thousand bucks a square foot. If they wanted to fire sale it, try and drop it to about 900 and change. They did. Uh, we sold it to the first caller site unseen who was a broker. I should disclose. Um, uh-huh. and, and, uh, and I was really surprised Now we were quite, you know, like I said, we were about a hundred bucks a square foot under the market value, but I was surprised yeah. all week long after we sold it, my phone rang and rang and rang and rang. So the demand for it was quite high i was really surprised yeah the demand is still there then eh? Um, yeah. do you think you dropped your price too much i, I guess you did eh? with 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 the, with the demand do you think if you went down yeah do you think if you went down five percent you would have sold a unit I, I i do believe there was enough demand that we may have but who knows you know we're, we're i'm worried about people's ability to close right and or and, and and here i'll tell you what's happening right now so for example the next week my clients called me and said well we saw there's another unit listed in there they're kind of at a higher price bigger unit, nice, beautiful, beautiful unit. Now, in my mind, it was already listed below where it should be. It has not sold as of yet. Now, what I worry about is, you know, they keep dropping their price, they keep dropping their price, and then even someone that bought, let's say, at a 10% discount, if we see a 20% discount, it's going to be worth their while not to close, to take the loss of their deposit, and then to go buy a bigger unit, let's say, for $200,000, however it works out. So I think, you know, if the market keeps depreciating at, at a pace, you know, just to have a deal in writing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to close nowadays, and there's still a worry there. Chris, but the good news right. is with a condominium, um, they are a little more homogenous. Um, people tend to have a building in mind. A unit is a unit. Um, yeah. you know, you've seen a unit. They're, they're sort of all the same with the exception of two-bedroom or one with two-bedroom plus balcony, um, but it tends to be the demand rests with one-bedroom unit. Um, so activity continues what kind of decline 
it has taken place, say, in the last two, three weeks with volume, with activity. Is it down 50 percent? Uh, no. what do you, what's your best so guess? Volume's down almost 80 percent. It is down 80, now, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now, prices, wow. have not, prices have not done the same. I mean, I did hear there was adjustments as high as 17 percent in the condo market, but, but houses pretty much flat. Still, like uh, again, repeat with houses. Um, again, house activity, single-family detached homes. I would take yeah. it. Volume there is down more than eighty. I would think it's down probably ninety percent. Therefore, um, uh, much more difficult. Uh, In terms of new so, listings, there's there's very few people listing, and, and but that again is keeping prices high, right? Lack of supply is creating some strength in demand, and so it seems that within the housing market, you know, again. Uh, uh, there's a lot of this sort of pent-up demand, right? People that, especially serious, serious buyers that had maybe been in bidding wars before or were looking, like now that they see a little bit of weakness in the market, they're going to jump on it, right? Now, whether that, I, you know, I believe we're going to go through that cycle of buyers. They're, you know, whether they're going to be happy or not happy is, is, is hard to say. Hopefully they can afford what they're going to buy and they're going to be happy that they got an end product for a price that they were happy with. And they're going to look at it long-term and not try and get out next year you know, but um, um, I think we're going to move through that cycle rates. of buyers. Per- no, yeah. it's about, but it's about confidence in your job, confidence that you can make the mortgage yeah. payment. Um, and then, of course, the ability to borrow money. Chris, I want to throw something at you. I spoke with a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, he has a, uh, a cottage. It's worth a million and a half dollars. He has no mortgage on it. Uh, nice it was cottage. appraised actually at one uh, yeah, nice cottage. We actually appraised at 1.6, recently appraised by the bank. Um, he, he works in the entertainment industry. Uh, he's a sound and light guy. Uh, and, of course, oh, with, with no trade, with, and he makes a net about $50,000 a year. Um, the bank would not give him a credit line of $200,000. Uh, he applied three weeks ago, and they said, we're not going to approve it now, perhaps at a later date. Surprisingly, the bejeebies out of me, because money has become cheaper, interest rates have fallen, um, but bank lending standards have increased significantly. And I've heard from, from another source that banks are very concerned in the short term, with consumer debt default, meaning people won't pay their credit card bills, they won't pay their car loan, because they can't. As you said, if they're going to try to pay their rent or mortgage first and leave other items uh, to be dealt with at a later date. Um, and as such, banks are getting tighter with lending. Are you seeing challenges uh, to buyers in, in borrowing money today? Yes, I think so. Yes, apparently um, uh, my mortgage broker friends say business is, is – as good as usual and that they're coming up with solutions for people. I would say in the term of, in the terms of your friend, there's sound and light guy. Uh, we know there's not going to be any concerts for, for a long time. Right. And also uh, right. from a, from, from a recreational property standpoint, uh, you need a 50%, you need 50% down basically to buy a recreational property now. So for, for the bank, that might just be too hot an asset for them to put any money into, especially at that price. But um, you know, $200,000, good golly, people would, would, would giggle if they had a $200,000 mortgage in this day and age. But again, I go back to that individual, it, it's such a sad state. Uh, again, Chris, think back to your days um, when you and I first met back in the rock and roll world of fun. And um, you were working downtown, you were living downtown, 
and uh, I don't know how hand to mouth uh, of a lifestyle you enjoyed back then, but I was able to—I uh, was able to save money back then, uh, and I was living not downtown, but I was living in the city, uh, albeit a basement apartment um, of a very small home that I owned and purchased myself. I will say, Chris, I bought my first home in 1990, just as the market peaked and began to weaken. And that bear market in real estate did not go on for a few months, my good friend. It went on from 1990 to 1996. It was a six-year bear market in real estate. I don't believe uh, when, when it happens, it's going to happen uh, quickly. Please stay tuned, my good friends. We're talking about the real estate market. Condo Chris has joined us. Uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Jack Hartle, 60 miles away, nice and cozy in his home, uh, somewhat up north, uh, all in for your cause. You stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Hope your Saturday morning's off to a good start. Uh, if you're nice and cozy, you're in good shape, and I hope uh, your bills are all in order. It's so important that we keep our house in order. If you're looking for a home, you're looking for a condo, perhaps this is a good time. Uh, perhaps it isn't. I don't know, but why not ask the expert? It's a condo. Chris has joined us, good friend of mine. I've known Chris for a long time. Uh, very impressed with Chris. He used to work in the entertainment industry downtown Toronto, the club industry, I shall say. And he pivot to become a real estate uh, advisor. Um, you're now involved in the leasing business, another property management business. Uh, I tip my hat to you, Chris. You're a resilient man. You're a smart man. Uh, you're a survivor, pal. Uh, Chris, please share with us a few more thoughts, interest of time uh, on the condo market. What are your biggest concerns? Uh, share with us your, your, what has happened to the stock market margin calls. People had more stock than they could afford. Uh, they were using borrowed money to buy stock and when the music stops, they have to leave first. They're forced out of the trade. Uh, you're starting to notice that in the real estate market with people have multiple units and tenants aren't paying, and therefore they can't pay the mortgage. Uh, yeah, I think you know. I think a lot of real estate investors, especially as I said, the mom and pops are are looking at what's tantamount to a margin call. You know, my thoughts in this whole thing really, honestly, go out to the tenants, to the to the to the gig economy to the service workers, you know, and the personal trainers and waiters and the people that serve us. And hopefully there'll be some incentive for them to get on their feet and, and support the rental market again. But again, 80% of their income going to pay the rent. At some point, they got to rethink their lives um, or prices have to adjust. Uh, I think the latter. I think prices have to adjust. Uh, you can't continue to live that way. At some point, you're going to want to have children and you're going to want to uh, move, move on up. Uh, the foreign buyer. Uh, briefly, uh, have they stopped purchasing? Of course, you said transactions are down, but are you getting interest from foreign buyers? The Canadian dollar is cheaper, after all. Uh, I do hear that the foreign buyers have pretty much dried up. I mean, we do have that uh, foreign speculation tax as well. I believe it's 15% now for foreign buyers. Uh, it, we're, it's not as prominent in Toronto, but apparently in Vancouver, they're, uh, they're seeing a real, a real big drying up of foreign money. Would you advise... Those who have too many condos on their plate to perhaps give you a call, I guess it's a silly question, but not. Would you advise them to actually sell, uh, sell real estate uh, at these levels? 
you know, I think it's a, depending on, I think it's always depends on your needs. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to try to time the market. I think is always the worst thing to do. I, if, you, if you need to, there is demand out there. There are buyers, you know, and it depends on your tolerance, what, what sort of discounts you can offer. But, um, but uh, you know, again, I, I, I advise against trying to time the market, trying to work with, and, you know, if you can hold on for a little bit, you know, again, it's speculation. You know, if you're gonna, if you can, if you've got, if you're, if you're long on Toronto condos uh, and you can afford to hang on, then hang on. If you can't, um, you know, the right time is always now before you go further into debt. Chris, we're running out of time. I can't thank you enough uh, for your thoughts. Um, let's get you back on the show real soon. I think this uh, condo situation is going to continue. Uh, the question is, how far, how long? Anyone's guess? Jackson, final thoughts for the audience. Yeah, just we've talked about condos, we talked about investing in real estate, and obviously talked about stocks throughout the show. And I think it's important to, to understand as an investor, um, whether you're, whatever asset class you're investing in, you really have to understand your risk tolerance, and you have to sort of match up your, uh, your long-term time horizon with your asset allocation to make sure that you don't get squeezed out of a trade. It gets down to a strong balance sheet, and uh, certainly a lot, um, shall I say, uh, a lot more then you can chew. <laughs> You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I want to wish you a fabulous weekend. You stay safe, uh, stay optimistic. We will get through this. And hey, it's in the month of May. All the best. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.